1: all right brian i am assuming that we have some mailbag yep. questions have enough for do. a mailbag yep we do okay We all do. right sounds good i i've still got it on block so i don't know what we got good. going on here we Our are some chat here from, man. <laughs> from paul uh thank you so much paul really appreciate you that's for the great year i be cannot remember the last time i've been so excited for the future oh and can you use this for uh, singing lessons for Sean oh. and Ryan? Thanks. That would
2: be wasting money. <laughs> like, I am not a fan of just peeing money away.
0: And wasting money on
2: singing lessons for for Sean uh, and Ryan would, uh,
1: yeah. That
2: would just be. That was an unscripted,
1: much. unscripted moment of the yeah. post-game show. Let me tell you, yeah. that I'd was much not... rather give it to charity than waste <laughs> I it. I mean, like you could argue that is charity, but no, I mean... it's not. No, that's not charity.
2: <laughs> that's not. That's not helpful to our society, society whatsoever. Uh... Doing more, get you guys to more, more <laughs> sing, sing more. No, just no. Appreciate uh... you, Paul. Thank you, man. Thanks, I appreciate Paul. that very much. <laughs> I'm such a hater.
1: From uh, Shaquille Oatmeal thank you very much Shaq. appreciate you he says uh hi guys when you get the ib after dark show going are there plans to remix the intro music and put some saxophone in there salty wants to know he wants to jazz it up
2: yeah uh no i don't, I don't have any plans to change that now you never know like if somebody puts like the the whole thing about our music now is a guy reached out and asked yeah. about wanting to put something together for us and he asked me what kind of music early. i like and yeah man and uh he put it together and i loved it i mean i I love our i still now today i play it i'm like yep it still pops i still dig it you know <laughs> <laughs> it gets but, me in the uh, mood every time we're about to start it does a show. man will, it does I I just, it's, and it's got that that it's like no matter what we're talking about or if i'm ticked yep. off or we're laughing and joking whatever <laughs> whatever mood we're in it, it just okay it's focus time it, yeah it gets you ready yeah. to rock and roll so Agreed. Uh, yeah, I dig it. But what's funny is, Vince, I actually love the saxophone. I love the sound of the saxophone. Oh, yeah. Whether it's regular sax, bass sax is okay. But like alto sax, like there's like a lot of those that I really dig. I actually played the saxophone in, in middle school. Love so, you yeah. You yeah, yeah. have so many talents. Yes. Well, my parents were very big into uh, having us do a lot of different things. Oh, yeah. And so Plus like, you know, like they, made us, they made me take piano lessons for two years. I did not like the piano. Sure. Uh, they made me play an instrument. I could pick which one I wanted to play, and I picked okay. the saxophone because <clears throat> I'm a man. I Always was a man, um, you know. So uh, you know, I wasn't gonna be like a trumpet guy. No. And then we had one guy that was played the flute. I was like, Nah, I'm careful. Good. I'm good. But no, I was just, I'm just kidding. But I played the saxophone, and uh, I enjoyed it very much. I still have it. Yeah. So yeah, look at you. I think it's at my mom's house because she's let like my I've all, had nieces and uh, nephews that play. All borrowed
1: it to play it and all that. All- all four of my older kids all play an instrument, and uh, the youngest one hasn't had an opportunity yet. But we're a very
2: musical family very over big. here. Well, it's just it's household. good to because you never know what a kid's going to fall in love with Absolutely. if you don't make him try it. You know, yeah. and um, they, we
1: got quite a band going uh, yeah. here when they all play together. So, yeah. uh, what do
2: they play? They do they play like flute? So, trumpet.
1: Uh, Dylan plays the trumpet. Mm -hmm. um uh, chloe plays the trumpet as well okay and then uh lily plays the flute and ella plays the um clarinet okay you know
2: clarinet's an interesting sounding instrument too yes it is i I like the clarinet yes it is when
1: all four of them get together and they play they actually all four of them uh played at uh their great-grandfather's funeral oh wow and that was a really like that was a moment. You know yeah, what I mean? It was I really bet. cool. It I was bet. really cool. And their aunts, are, uh, my wife plays. She plays the flute. Okay. And then uh, my, uh, her brothers also are are musical. And so they played as well. So it was like the whole like grandkids and great-grandkids. Get them to do the, the I music. Mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. No saxophone, though. Yeah. No, there's no saxophone in the family. Maybe Liam. Okay. You know, Maybe. We'll see. That's, he's only that's eight. the deal. That's the
2: deal. <laughs> as big so, as he is right now. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Robert Bishop, uh, thanks for the question. Let's see here. If Denbrock has been named OC a couple of weeks sooner, would they still have targeted Riley Leonard, or would he have preferred a different type of quarterback? It's a good question.
2: A very good question. I absolutely think he would have gone after Riley Leonard because Riley Leonard is very much the type of quarterback Mike Denbrock mm-hmm. has had success with.
1: Yes, agreed. Mike's,
2: Mike Denbrock's success at Notre Dame, his success at Cincinnati and LSU has all been with dual threat quarterbacks. Right. And he is to me the best dual threat quarterback in the portal. Right. And it was available, so yeah. easily, easily. Mm-hmm. And you everyone knows our thoughts on um on uh, Riley Leonard and how high we've been on him for a couple of years now. So no question he would have gone at he would have been like he would have still gone after him. Right. And I mean, he would have fit it perfectly. I mean, Deshaun Kaiser, Malik Zaire, Everett Golson, all kind of dual threat guys, although Everett yeah. was less of a runner than the other two. Sure. You know, but but that whole 15 team was built around Malik and his ability to run throw. And then, of course, Deshaun comes in, does the same thing. Desmond Ritter, obviously, it was a guy that uh, was effective. I mean, he's had three co- – since 2015 in his first year as an offensive coordinator. And so he's been an offensive coordinator, what, eight years? 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 23, 20, 20, 20, 20, nine years. In, in well 2014 actually so 10 years and his 10 years as an offensive coordinator he said three different quarterbacks rush for over for 10 or more touchdowns in a season double digit touchdowns and and so and you got to think like at Cincinnati he had one starting quarterback for most of his tenure yep you know I mean his 21 2019 his four of his five years and since he had one same quarterback and and so LSU he had one quarterback in two years so uh, he he's had a lot of success with those type of guys. Yeah.
1: So yeah, it yeah fits the mold. I, I would. Yeah, very much it fits so. the mold. If you start thinking back to you know the kind of offense that was run, and and, and it's not going to be identical, obviously, but they had you know some QB power and you know just some some different things, and and they sent they use the the quarterback in the run game like it was a legitimate part of the run game, and Riley Leonard fits that mold anyway, mm-hmm. and uh, I I am very interested to see Mike Denbrock's spin on what the Notre Dame offense can be there's no doubt about that because it's going to be his I mean with obviously some some direction from Marcus Freeman as far as you know in the program and all of that Mm -hmm. but this is going to be Mike Denbrock's offense and I don't know that that was fully the case the last time Mike Denbrock was here
2: wasn't necessarily yeah. no. I mean, he put it, anytime you're going to put your stamp on it, but sure. yeah, he was doing a lot of stuff that was more dictated by the head right. football coach. Yeah. Sure. So that's going to I think, partly held it back to a degree. I agree. Yeah.
1: DMND 13 Ryan said on his All American Bowl Day 2 recap that he believes KVA will be a starter at some point in 24. How much do you agree or disagree?
2: I, I won't say it that definitively. No, I won't say he will be a starter. I will say he can be a starter. Right. It wouldn't shock me, but I'm not going to say he will be because I think he's going to have a hard time just immediately beating out all the guys he'd have to beat out to be the starter outside of injury. Would it shock me if at some point in time next year he ends up being one of the best two? Not at all. Not at all. Uh, so I wouldn't say that I necessarily disagree with Ryan. I'm just not going to say I agree with him either because I don't, I I, I think it would right now it would take I mean, he's still in high school and I know he's doing really well down there, but like those guys are all going to have a year or two on them as well. In the Uh, system too. Not right. That's basically weight weight room
1: in the system, all of it. Right. And yeah, I, I tend to fall on that side of things too. The kid's super talented. This is a huge gift for Notre Dame. The kid, I mean, he's one of those kids that they broke the mold of middle linebacker and they're like, yep, this guy, Mm -hmm. um, so I'm really excited about what he's going to be at Notre Dame. There's no doubt about that, but it's going to be tough to start. And he and he's not saying, obviously, he's going to start day one. He's saying at some point during 2024. Could I see him maybe get a, a start late in the season at will, you know, alongside? Yeah, okay, sure. maybe I could see that. You know, it yeah. wouldn't surprise me, but there's a lot of talent. I mean, what have we been talking about for the last two years? About all the talent that's being stockpiled at linebacker. You can't just expect a guy to come in and just blow all those guys away. Could it happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could. I just, I'm not willing to put, you know, that kind of a definitive yeah. statement on it yet. Agree. Zach, 32, scale of 1 to 10, how likely is it that Golden comes back?
2: I mean, as of right now, from what I'm hearing, it's like an 8 or 9, as of right, right now, but if not 10, but that that's because the NFL stuff hasn't opened up yet. Yeah. I mean, we With- just... We don't know who's going to be interested in them from the NFL. Right. And I don't think Al Gold is just going to take any D coordinator job just to take one in the NFL. I I don't. But there are some potential options that if they came open or depending on who gets hired as head coach, things along those lines, that you could maybe see him leave. But he's engaging Notre Dame about an extension. You don't do that if you're just one foot out the door. Like For example, Kirby Moore from Missouri. His, his extension offer sat on his desk for weeks because he was waiting to see what was going to happen at Notre Dame with Mike Denbrock and some other things. But that's why he didn't sign it yet. You know what I mean? So usually when a guy knows he's leaving or would like to leave, he won't engage on an extension or he'll just sure. kind of let it sit. Most guys are respectful enough to do that. Now, Mike Denbrock's situation is a little bit different, right, because he signed his extension before Notre Dame spot came open. Now, it never got finalized and all that other kind of stuff, so it never became official, but he signed it before Notre Dame had an oh. opening
1: at offensive coordinator. I didn't realize he signed it. Okay.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, he signed it, but it's like it never went to – It never like, got all the way yeah, through like, the system it, Like whatever. I, he say signed it. He agreed to it. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. Is more what I mean. He agreed to it. Yep. Okay. It just didn't go through all the
1: formals. Got to get approved by
2: the board. Right, right, kind of right, right, right. It they was agreed
1: to. They hadn't hashed out all the details.
2: Well, no, they had. Oh, okay. Yeah, they had. It just, the board never brought it up at the one meeting they had in the winter. And then they weren't going to bring it up again until February, but everything had been agreed to, but it's a state school. It has to go through the board process and all that other kind of stuff. So whether that meant meant it was signed or whatever, or it was a verbal agreement, I don't know. It doesn't matter. What matters is he agreed to the extension, right? But it was never, it was never finalized, which meant when Notre Dame got him to leave, they were working with the old contract, which meant a much smaller buyout. Sure. Now, when Mike Dembrock's negotiating his salary at Notre Dame, I promise you he's working off of the number he agreed to oh, with LSU.
1: For sure, yeah.
2: Right? And yeah. so uh, that,
1: that's kind of how that stuff works. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about, you know, just to answer this question, Zach, I mean, I, I, feel, I feel very good about where things stand with Al Golden. So that's why I'll put it in at like an eight. And an eight, a, that's a strong number, right? That's a strong number for him to come back. Uh, but there's that there's that window of there could be an offer that's just too good to pass up that is perfect for him and I don't right. know I don't know what that is I think maybe Brian has a better idea of what that is it doesn't matter the, about the, what po- the number no no just like what that who could call him to be a DC yeah and like yeah that. there's like, I don't yeah. know all those details I'm just saying those jobs aren't there yet they're not open yet hundred percent so, and so yeah. we're not even going to know what the possibilities of those jobs would be until next week and then. I don't think Al Golden's getting calls to be a head coach. He'd be getting calls to be a defensive coordinator, and so a head coach has to be hired first. Then he has to start putting together his staff. So, I mean, we're looking at a few weeks before everything mo- is at all least set a month. Going. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine February. Right. I, I I think that's a safe place. You if know, we get then...
2: close to so- to to the start of spring practice, and Al Golden right. is still here, you start feeling a little bit better. Yeah, hundred
1: percent, hundred percent. Matthew Ketzner, am I wrong saying that Ma- Marcus Freeman and his teams have the potential to be on the level of Lou Holtz and his teams? I'm starting to feel that way.
2: I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I, I Matthew, I've been saying this for a little while. I, I feel Notre Dame's going to win a title in the next three to five years. I really, truly believe that. Uh, and, and there's a lot of reasons for it. Marcus Freeman's very different from Lou Holtz. Doesn't have the experience Lou Holtz had in a lot of oh, different yeah. ways, but... The one thing that led to a lot of success that Lou Holtz had at Notre Dame was talent acquisition. Yeah. I mean, guys, they weren't winning back then with just mediocre players that Lou Holtz was turning into stars. I mean, they were recruiting. They had the number one recruiting class for like three or four straight years. Like they could, you know, with Vinnie Serrato and what they did and, you know, Chad Bowden is Marcus Freeman's Vinnie Serrato. The difference is, is Marcus likes to recruit a lot more than Coach Holtz did. If you talk right. to people, I mean, you know, Joe Rudolph's going to recruit a lot more than Joe Moore did back then joe moore was like go get me dudes and i'll coach them up right that's pretty much how it was (laughs) right right? and so uh this group is is got a chance to be that from a talent acquisition standpoint the question is are they going to be there from a development standpoint that's still a a little bit of a question mark in certain areas but i'm more confident about that now than i was a couple years ago i mean this yeah marcus freeman's coaching staff in 2024 is going to be way better than the last coaching staff brian kelly had like way better mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah. It, and you have a head coach yeah. now that will recruit.
1: Yep, That's the, it, it, it all comes down to talent acquisition for me. I mean, we, we can, we can talk scheme and we can talk play calling and all, that. and it's all important. Don't get me wrong. That is all important. But if you start stockpiling the talent that I believe Notre Dame has mm-hmm. and will continue to stockpile, it makes it a lot easier. There's, yeah. there's an old expression, right? It's, is it the X's and O's or the Jimmy's and Joe's? It, the X's and O's part becomes a little bit simpler when you've got the Jimmys and Joes. Oh, the answer to that is always yes.
2: Right? Is it right. the X's and O's or the Jimmys and right. the Joes? It's Yes. Right. <laughs> right. For I sure. Mean, there's, there's really talented teams that don't win the way that Bama does That's or true. Georgia does or whatever. And like Washington and Michigan, very well-coached football teams. Great X's and O's. But they're also not a bunch of mediocre players. I mean, R- Michael Penix is a dude. That receiving core is loaded sure. with high draft picks, right? I mean, there's there's Bray, Braylon Trice is going to be a day one, day two draft pick when he comes out. You know what I mean? Like there's dudes on both of those teams. They may not have as many future first round picks as Bama does or Ohio State does, but they've got a lot of talent as well. Now, the team that has gone twenty five and two at, at Washington, the only real addition that's bending impactful is Michael Penix. Right? And he's really good, but he's not the difference between four and eight, which is what they were in 2021, and 25 and two. He's the final. But what changed? Great coaching staff came in and replaced one that sucked. That's the difference. Right. Notre Dame was basically the same team in 2017 they were in 2016, but they lost I mean, not Equinemies St. Brown, but they lost like, um, I'm trying to think of some of the guys they lost. They lost to Sean Kaiser. Right. They, I mean, just thinking of some of the players they lost from the 2016 team compared to the 2017 team. I'm um, going to pull some some of them up here real quick. Lost James Wallow off that team, 2016. Lost, I believe, Isaac Rochelle off that team, 2016 team. Lost Cole Luke, lost Jeron Jones. So like they lost some guys off that team in 2017 that they had in 2016, right? But the difference was they were coached so much better. Yeah. It's got to be both but you also are going to take a great coaching. If you take Kaylin to board and that staff and you hand them Colorado's roster, they might be they'll be better in 4 and 8, but they're not going to be anywhere close to what Washington is. Right. Right? I mean, so it's both. It's got to be both. Yep. And the talent acquisition was always going to be limited to a degree under Brian Kelly cuz he was just not going to do enough to enough to sure. bring in those final pieces. Right. And Marcus Freeman is and the best hire Marcus Freeman ever made was Chad Bowden and and allowing him to then build up that part of the staff as well. Sure. And, uh, you know, like Dre Brown and all those guys who do great work with Chad, you know, and um, it's, it, it's huge.
1: 99 problems, but BK ain't one. I know it's probably way too early, but do you think Kaiser will be the starting will and get the majority of the snaps or be the starting will and part of a rotation? I
2: think that's TBD. I mean, it depends on how other guys perform in the spring. Right, how do they develop
1: and how, yeah, yeah absolutely. Because, yeah, look, I mean, you know what you're going to get from Jack Kaiser. I think we all at this point know, and we know that it was a great thing to keep him on this roster for next year. you
2: use but, him correctly, he's yeah. very impactful.
1: Absolutely. And I think, ideally, it's the last one. He starts at will, but it's part of a rotation where he moves to different spots as well, not just will. Like, I think you move him around and allow him to be dynamic
2: i'll say this i hope that they actually he doesn't start at will that's actually still my hope okay my hope is that somebody steps up at will and they can keep jack and more of that rover role to be honest okay. with you that's still my hope uh whether it's Jalen sneed or Jaden Osbury or kingston or whoever my hope is that somebody steps up and keeps jack and sort of that rover rotate inside
1: so it's actually his rotation is he's the second will off the bench so that's the my heart. Starting, starting rover second will yes move him around allow yes. him to still be as impactful as he was this year correct but the fact that he's back and he can be the leader of that room makes and can it all, play all will better. if someone yeah. doesn't step up right that's true he's that's he's like the good. ultimate insurance policy to be honest with you i mean that's yeah, that's who Jack Kaiser is. If
2: that's how. He, that's what he should be anyway. Yeah, I, and I've right. said all along. My big fear, however, is that Al Gold is just going to plug him in the middle of the defense and just yeah. leave him there and not let anybody else potentially push him back outside or something like that. That's sure. my big fear.
1: My big fear. Andy Milton fan, why do you think D line was more effective this year? Buy in talent. Uh,
2: yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, those are the, like the 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 overall makeup of the D line looks so much better this year because you could take Riley Mills, who played defensive end in 2022, bump him into three technique where he's just better. Yeah. Replace then replace him with Javante Jean Baptiste. That alone made it a more talented defensive line than it was right. last year. Everywhere other than Viper, right, right, like the significantly better fit. Then then you also have the development piece. You know, the, the the job that that Al Howard Cross did putting in the work, but then also the development and the coaching and the push that he got and Riley got and Jason Onye got from Al Washington. You know, Javante Jean-Baptiste, his game was better this year than it was at Ohio State. He got coached up in a way that made him a better football player this year by Al Washington. So it's both. Yeah, there was a lot of buy-in. And also, too, and I've said this a lot, and this is true for for Joe Rudolph looking forward, and there's a question about that coming up part of being a a good coach is knowing your players too. And it can take time to really know your players the way you, the ins and outs, what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses and things along those lines. Like, like I had a lot of success during my coaching career in year ones with guys making big jumps. But a lot of that was because I was a lot of times walking into situations where the floor was so much lower. You know what I mean? Where it's like, like when I went to Christopher Newport and we set scoring records, passing records, total offense records and all this kind of stuff cuz offense had been abysmal there. They were winning with defense. Yeah. And so when we did all these things cuz we just we had talent but like we changed things and you know I came in as a pass game coordinator and we actually started passing the ball and I brought some schemes that like started allow them to maximize the players talent but like it, it that's different than what like our Washington and our goal and, and and Joe Rudolph walked into cuz they were replacing really effective coaches you know so so it was just it's just different where that second year of really knowing the ins and outs of what makes your players tick you know how how does this kid get motivated compared to this guy how, how you motivate Riley Mills is going to be different than how you vote motivate Jason Onye. it's going to be how you different motivate differently than Gabriel Rubio and Howard Cross and you know across the board and it takes time to learn those things and i think coach yeah. washington had a better sense of you know kind of what buttons to push but but again there was also a lot more buy in when he would speak they would listen that wasn't always the case last year same with Joe Rudolph. Now, I'm not saying the offensive linemen weren't listening to him. I've not heard that. So I don't want it, to it, – but it's still, he's got to know them better. They've got to know him better and, and what he means when he says certain things and, and those type of deals. So in year two, I do expect a jump in year two. Now, how much of one? That's going to be the question mark. But I think when it comes to the D-line, it is a combination of talent. The line was just situated better with Riley Mills coming inside. And then Javante Jean-Baptiste coming in. Right. You had Josh Burnham in the rotation more, you know, and and there just there just was a little bit more athleticism this year than than the year before. And I think that's going to take an even bigger jump next year. So let's get to this next one from Paul.
1: Okay, from Paul. Is it me or did the tackling from earlier this season to the end of the season get a lot better? I I yes, yeah, I agree we, with you completely. We, we talked about that. I I and I think my judgment of the 2023 season was a little clouded over the 22 season because it got so much better towards the end uh to be honest with you as Brian reminded me I remembered back to some of the earlier games I was like oh my gosh here we go again because I remember thinking Mm -hmm. that now that I was reminded of it uh but it did I would say the 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 latter two-thirds of the season the tackling got so much better uh this year than it was last year yeah
2: no question about it no question about it
1: God's impartial witness, a little off topic here, but LSU freshman wide receiver Jalen Brown jumped in the portal a few days ago. Any shot staff makes a move to land him, or is he simply chasing a bag?
2: Well, I don't know enough about his situation to know that that's why he jumped in the portal. I mean, he didn't, I don't think he played a whole lot at LSU this year. It could be, you know, he, he wants to go somewhere. He's got more playing time. Maybe he wants to go closer to home. I mean, there's a lot of things that could factor into it. I mean, I'm looking at the season, and he didn't catch a ball this year.
1: Where's Where's home for him?
2: Uh, Florida. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, most likely when a kid like that jumps in the portal, he has an idea of where sure. he's looking, and I doubt Notre Dame is where he's looking. And so, like, I'd look at him. I like Jalen Brown coming out of high school. i definitely look at him. I just don't think that's the direction that Notre Dame staff is going, and I doubt that he is looking at Notre Dame in that regard. I think – Normally, like I said, I I know it's like, hey, there's a reason that Notre Dame tends to look at kids that are at like FIU and places like that because you know they're they're more jumping in the portal because they are looking for a, a, a better opportunity. Where sure. some of these guys that are leaving like LSU, like Quinshon Junkins, has an idea of the schools he's going to look at because he's right. jumping in for money. Uh, you're you've been elite. You've rushed for 30 touchdowns the last few years, old, Miss. You've been a thousand rush last few year's old, Miss. You're not losing your playing time. You're just jumping in to grab a bag. I don't know enough about Jalen Brown's situation to know that that's the reason he's jumping in or not. He may be unhappy that he didn't play a lot this year. Maybe he doesn't click with the receivers coach. Maybe he's homesick. You right. know, th- There could be a lot of reasons why, and I don't want to speculate on it, but uh, I doubt that Notre Dame is a school
1: that he would look at or that that, that would go very far for Notre
2: Dame. Very talented Thanks. kid, though.
1: Yeah. Titus, will Coach Rudolph make a similar jump as Al Washington? How could – coogan and spindler be the starting guards at a place like notre dame what's worse they continued playing in spite of their performances well i mean their performance wasn't as bad as you're making it out to be
2: i don't think i don't think it's quite that bad but i, I thought rocco spindler actually showed some really good things i agree we also have to remember these two kids are also both in their first years at notre dame in, in the starting lineup so i mean look they're they <laughs> did you watch did you watch the alabama game I mean, did, did, did Pat Coogan ever play as bad as Seth McLaughlin did against Michigan? You know what I mean? So, like, yeah, guys, you know, n- 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 very few teams have, like, five dudes across the board. Uh, to your point, however, I, I did feel like it was a mistake not working in a guy like Billy Shrouth sooner. I will give you that, Titus. Like, So, I mean, we, we'll find some common ground here. I don't think yeah. the guard play was as bad as was you make. Like, how could guys like this ever start at Notre Dame? Well, I mean – they're, they're they're you know they're okay guy okay players. I think right. Rock, like I said, Rocco showed a lot more potential because when Rocco was on, he was pretty good. Sure. When he was not on, he looked pretty bad. You know, so like you just keep working with them and be more consistent and have those good moments be more prominent. You know, and, and obviously the knee injury is a concern for me with him, but he showed me some promise. Pat's a great backup, but if he's your fifth guy and the other four are really really good, you are still gonna have a really good offensive line with pat coogan there uh, i just would hope that they do give the younger guys a chance to beat him out but you know pat Coogan's the floor of the guard position vince and that's a, that's okay right. meaning like if somebody doesn't play better than him then you know he's gonna play at a certain level you just hope that somebody more talented can beat him out but if they don't then you can't just put them in there just because they're more talented they've got to be able to produce you know in a consistent basis and, and that's going to be the key is can someone force him off the field next right year? right that's going to be the key and hopefully yep. they do because to yes. your point and, and that would be a symbol of coach Rudolph making that second year jump is is him having a better way to how do I get Sam Pendleton to make a jump how do I get Sullivan Absher to make a jump yep. how can I figure out how to use Ty Chan more effectively you know I mean there's there's enough talent there that they should be better you know talent wise in what at left guard but like I said if 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 Pat Coogan, uh, let's not let's not also act like Pat Coogan can't get better either. He's not going to get better physically, but he certainly can improve his technique and those type of things and be more assignment correct and, and be a better player next year. Like he is what he is from a talent standpoint. That's just that's the reality of it. But there's a level for his game to be better. Sure. It's just not going to be ton better. But uh, if the pieces around him are better, then the line will be better, in my view
1: salty what's going on we what needs i think that meant to be mailbag oh okay yeah that's fair what needs to happen for notre dame to get a better viper i'd personally start by changing that position's name it sounds goofy
2: well they were pretty good at viper the two previous years i mean look it's just about jordan Pateho playing to his potential number one and then number two, developing the really talented younger players that they've recruited. I mean, Bubakar Traore, uh, if he stays at Viper, Logan Thomas, who they're bringing in, Cole Mullins. You know, maybe there's a Press and Zinter type of linebacker that they could move down at some point. I, I don't, I don't know if that would be in his future or not. I've always said that's a position I could see maybe him helping out at. Maybe Josh Burnham goes back over there for some reason. There's plenty of talent there salty they just got to coach it up and then those guys got to be locked in like jordan Patelho's yeah. biggest enemy is jordan Patelho, and if he can just when he's on he's good it's just this year vince he was rarely on right you know but then the bowl game like dude if he plays like that every week they're gonna be pretty good at the viper position right and then i'm also curious to see what junior two does in his second full year playing viper too true Cause he True. wasn't very good this year, but he's got a some lot of talent there. Yeah. You there's know? a lot
1: of, there's a lot of talent there that I would love to see. Kind He's of come still to new to it. I mean,
2: that's the yeah. thing we got to remember is, I mean, Junior right. and Josh didn't move to D line until like their freshman years. And it wasn't even at the beginning. Right. You know, Junior played it even less as a freshman than Josh did. So he's still learning. And hopefully you, you hope that in year two, we can be just become a, a more effective player. Cause like right. man playing Viper compared to Mike. It gets on you fast. Yeah. I mean, action happens quick. There's no read and react time. If you're trying to read and react playing Viper, you're getting punched in the face and get driven off the ball. It's just a different mentality and mindset that he's having to get used to. It's not a f- – the physicality's not different. It's just it gets to you so much quicker. It's like playing – going from shortstop to third base. I mean, yes. ground balls is a ground ball, Vince. But, but that sucker gets on you in hit a hit hurry. Yeah, they call it third base. base for a reason. Exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yep. A lot faster. And you'd be surprised at how fast in comparison. That's for sure. 99 problems, BK1. I don't know the snap count this year along the D-line. That said, do you think we'll see pretty even snaps between first and second string D-line in 24 and some healthy snaps for the third string too? No, you will not see the second team
2: D-line across the board getting as many snaps as the first team. No way. There's no way you can justify to me having anyone play more snaps at nose tackle than Howard Cross or three technique than riley mills right now could you see maybe a little bit more of a of a share happen in in a lot of games sure sure like you know against northern illinois and purdue and miami of ohio and maybe you ramp up the reps for jason onye and gabriel rubio and donovan heinish and armo Mukum and those guys sure sure but in the big games you're still gonna have those number one guys dominating the reps now there could be some positions where you see more of that like big end Right. You could maybe see RJ Oban and Josh Burnham be real similar 50 50 in snaps. I could see something like that. But across the board, that won't happen. Uh, now, will there be games where this happens? Yes. When they're blowing a team out and you're gonna get those young guys in more, sure, that'll happen. But on yeah. the whole, you won't
1: see it that way. Right. Agreed. And you don't want it to be. I no personally, I don't I, there's you're a starter for a reason. Like that's
2: yeah. I mean, if you're in a situation where you've got just you've recruited so well that your number two is every bit as good as your number one, sure. And they both have experience, and, sure, but that, That's just, that rare. just rarely happens. That's going to be rare. Rarely happens.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Andre Tonsil, I believe that this year's defense made very good strides, but not championship defense until they win the national championship. I'm very happy with the direction they are going.
2: Yeah. See, I, I understand. I understand what you're saying, Andre. I do. I just don't agree with it because it's like, you can't punish one side of the ball because another side didn't do their job. Correct. I mean, you, you, you you can't, you know, a pitcher goes out there and pitches a, you know, a a two hitter and only gives up one yard or one run and they lose nine, nothing or one, nothing. You don't say, well, he didn't play. He didn't pitch well
1: enough. He didn't do his job. Yeah. (laughs) You can't do that. Like, Notre Dame has had, you know, yes, they had the championship-level defense this year. They Their defense was good enough this year overall, I think, to win a national championship. And they've had defenses in the past that have been good enough to win a national championship, let's say, in the last 20 years. There, there's been times where that's been the case. But like you said, it's not a full-team effort. They, the offense hasn't been good enough. And that, I mean, look, we've been saying that for a while like you need to be able to score there's certain things you need to do offensively in order to win a national championship they've had a defense that could do it if they had a corresponding offense this just hasn't been the case they haven't put one and two together yet they've had one they just haven't had one and two right yeah
2: agree I just I feel like if that if, if the entire team played the way that the defense played this year we might be watching Notre Dame play on Monday right or
1: that, that's the way I right. look at it. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. 99 problems as things stand today, both where the player is at and where the staff is at with a comfort, with a quote unquote comfort level. What do you think the odds are of Bubakar taking the starting spot? I mean, slim. I mean, barring injury, slim. I mean,
2: he's got to pass up junior to Alamaka and. Jordan oh, Patelho Patelho. to be the starter. Yeah. And I just don't I don't see that. Now, if he does, that probably doesn't mean Jordan Patelho took a big step back. It probably means Bubakar took a giant step forward. But even then, you're probably still gonna want him to be more of a limit the reps early on, you know, kind of guy. But um I'd say the odds are less than fifty fifty. Yeah. Significantly less than fifty fifty, that happens. 2025, sure. Uh, late in the year, maybe. But I'd be
1: barring injury, I'd be surprised if it happens that way. Back up. Mailbag question. If you're playing NCAA 24, what position changes do you make this offseason?
2: I would move Jaden Mickey inside to nickel, and I'd move Clarence Thomas to safety. Those are the two big ones for me.
1: Clarence Lewis.
2: Yeah. What did I say, Clarence Thomas? Did I do it yeah. again? It just Clarence makes Lewis. me laugh every time. He's you like do seventy it, so. something years old. There's no way he can play safety in Notre Dame. Um, Clarence making... Lewis. Um, oh, like, did I do it? Did I do it again? <laughs> it's like it just makes me think of that scene. One of my favorite commercials ever. It's a Volkswagen commercial. And it's the one. Um, the um, oh man, what's the name of the song? It's um, oh my goodness. I'm gonna you know. This is gonna it's gonna bother me take on me it's the take oh, okay. on me one right okay and my favorite it's one of my favorite commercials because at the end of it he's like does that high-pitched song thing and, he, and and then all of a sudden he wakes up and he goes he goes is that me was i singing <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like i lose it every time i watch that commercial i'm like that's one. is it me did i say clarence <laughs> thomas again yeah. <laughs> yeah, so my bet on that. I would move Clarence Lewis yes. to safety. Agreed. And I would move Jaden Mickey to nickel. Not because I don't think he can play corner. I just want to get him and Christian Gray and I Benjamin Morris on yes. the field together more. And I think Jaden could be a really good Mick nickel. Yeah, uh, That would be one that I would consider moving. And then I would consider moving Sullivan Absher inside to guard and let him compete at left guard next sure. year. Because if there became a time where... Charles Jagasaw and Sullivan Absher are playing side by side. That is a massive 6'6, 6, 6'7, 6, 6, plus duo that I'm just like, good luck not stopping Notre Dame from running the ball yeah. that direction. Those would be the changes that I would make.
1: If if this was simply a video game, okay, and that's what the question is. It's just a video game. So we're not taking into account the mental side of things with guys, right? <clears throat> um, I I just – I love Junior at middle linebacker. I would move him back. I would. I just – I can't get out of my head seeing him at middle linebacker when he committed, and then when I saw him as, as a young player, mm-hmm. I would move him back to middle linebacker. I realize where everything's at now from a depth standpoint. He's probably – In, in, best in spot. a body
2: standpoint. I mean – well, he's he's harder it's harder to take yeah. that weight off yeah. and then get your quickness. It's hard to do that. <clears throat>
1: sure, sure, sure. Yeah. No, He's completely remade his body and, and all of that from what he was as a middle linebacker. You know what I mean? And so obviously that would prevent this. So I'm saying in a video game scenario is where I would do it, not in real life. Agree. And, so, and so just to be different, because I agree with you. Now, like if, if
2: you if you and I are wrong and he could lose that weight and get back to being the kind of middle, mm-hmm. I mean, I could, I'd be okay with that because I yeah. could see him being like a number two behind Drake Bowen and – and and being sure. a pretty good part of the you know linebacker rotation. But For I sure. just don't know that you can get that quickness back. Yeah. And he was a guy that was already borderline, not athletic enough. Sure. You know, like he was just losing a step away from being not athletic enough to play that position. So yeah, it's a good one.
1: 99 problems, question of the future of defensive ends at Notre Dame. Do you think the staff is moving more towards left, right end strategy, where both are playmakers instead of big end and viper? No, I don't think so. I think they like the idea of field and of, of, of
2: now. I mean, are, is there a scenario where, depending on who you have, you could do that? Sure, but I, I don't, I don't see anything that's making me think they're going in that direction. I think they're recruiting
1: in in the direction of having. Yeah. Yeah. Now,
2: if they get into a situation where they have you're like like Josh Burnham and Bubakar Traore are your two ends. I mean, there's a lot of merit to, if you're playing a tempo team, to to stay on a side. The thing is, though, the technique is a lot different from one to the other. Like cornerback's cornerback. If you're just right. saying field boundary, you're still a corner. I mean, there's some technical differences, but you're still a corner. Field boundary receiver, there's some minor differences, but it's not – playing field end compared to Viper is – I mean, one, you've got your hand in the ground, one, you're standing up one you're you're getting double teamed a lot more than the other. Sure. You, you, the other you you're playing in I mean it's just different. It's not like nose tackle versus 3 technique where you're just kind of it's it's interchangeable to a degree. There's a lot of differences on how you play. Right. That would make it a little harder to just from one snap to the next going from one to the other. It'd be a little bit more challenging. It can right. be done and with certain players I could see it happening, but I don't I don't believe I've not been given any indication that that's the direction they're going. And I don't know that I would like that if they did, to be honest with you.
1: NC Notre Dame fan. Brian, would you ever do a call in show? We get this question. No. Uh, um,
2: I've I've thought about it for like a second. Number one, we don't have the technology for it. It would we could get it, but I just don't have a desire to do it. Right, uh, it would be expensive to to get the editing technique you would need to bleep out anybody that would say something because stu- it would take one person to just, just screw it all completely up, completely ruin it. And you know right. that there's idiots that you know watch the show because they hate it that right. would love an opportunity to try to do something stupid. Yep, and um, you know now there are some things I've thought about like uh, doing like a mailbag where if for if members of the message board could record. Like a question. Bring it up. Yeah. And then we bring it up. Like a vi- take video of themselves asking a sure. question. And then we yeah, play that. That's, I've that's thought about doable. that. That's very doable. I've thought about doing something like that. Like a preseason thing. Something like that. But as far as a live call-in show, no. No, I I, I have no interest in doing that right now. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, I can right. appreciate that. Yeah.
2: I mean, if like we... Let's say we like partner with a local radio show and they wanted to do something. Sure. I'd be okay doing that cuz they they already have all the things you need and they would have you know people on the back end to do all that producers and to do all that that could you know mute out right. anyone that does or says something dumb but and, and the thing is like 99.9% of the people would be great they'd be awesome great yes, questions it's just that one person
1: that would you know ruin it for everybody yep Titus, why do you think Patello disappointed this year? Was it simply that he hasn't adjusted to his extra weight? Coach Landau's ability to help his dexterity and agility is the key for next year.
2: I, mean, I think that's part of it, Titus. I mean, I, I don't think he had the same burst this year that he had last year. I don't. I don't. Don't think the extra weight helped him. I don't think it's that simple though. I mean, he's still too undisciplined at times. He'll still take even in the bowl game, take a high angle up the field and allow All right. a quarterback to just step right into the gap. I just. I feel like his technique this year wore, wore on, got real sloppy when it came to taking on the run. You know, he he had no sort of feel for the pass rush this year like he had last year. There's a lot of things to it. It wasn't just that he lost a step by losing gaining weight. It's part of it, but I don't think that's the only reason. I just don't think he's an overly focused player. The good news is, is when he is focused, he's really good. You need to run, Vince? Everything good?
1: Yeah, no, I just got a message about something that's, tragic but it's not okay doesn't affect me directly so you good though yeah okay fine. okay sorry to hear that man yeah it's life unfortunately all right 99 problems can you compare riley leonard to milrow i recently was telling someone that i thought riley leonard was a better quarterback do you agree or disagree i think of it this way milrow on that duke team better or worse
2: I mean, Riley Leonard to me is absolutely a better quarterback than Jalen Milrow. I don't I don't even think it's a question. Uh Jalen, I've said this before. Jalen Milrow got a lot of hype this year because he was at Alabama. That that's why he got a lot of hype this year. Sure. He's a,
1: a, they a solid had no player. idea who their quarterback was going to be going right. into the season. So it's not right. like he was head and shoulders above everybody that was there. Right. You know?
2: He's yeah. a nice player. That's it. I mean, that's it. he's just he's a nice player. yeah, I think he's very overhyped. And if he did what he did at anywhere else, he would not be getting the hype that he's getting. Uh, he just he just wouldn't. I mean, when you look at at the production he had in his first year as a starter, uh, you know he he did some good things. He completed sixty five point eight percent of his passes, and uh, Riley Leonard completed sixty three point eight percent of his passes. Uh, He passed, Jalen Milrow passed for 2,834 yards. Riley Leonard passed for 2,967. Jalen Milrow had a much higher yards per attempt average because of the, again, the offense he played in. 23 touchdowns to six picks. And Riley Leonard had 20 touchdowns to six picks. And then you look at the rushing numbers. Jalen Milrow had 531 rushing yards, 3.3 yards per attempt, and he had 12 touchdowns. Riley Leonard had 699 yards, 5.6 yards per attempt, and 13 touchdowns. So to me, there's no doubt you put Riley Leonard at Alabama with a town around him that Jalen Milrow had, which is not great. It's not what it used to be, but it's certainly better than what Duke had. Uh, Yeah, he would be be much more productive, and I think we're going to see that next year. There's no doubt in my mind that we'll see that next year.
1: Michael Johnson, do you think Brian Kelly feels some type of way that Notre Dame is spending money on coaches and the recruiting upgrades under Marcus Freeman?
2: He probably does, but Brian Kelly had a lot of money given to him yeah. during
1: his tenure. Yes, he did. Like,
2: uh, all this stuff about, oh, they wouldn't pay coach. Notre Dame has never competed for coaches the way they needed to, but, like, oh, big picture, but they that started to improve in the last 10 years. I mean, I, I've said sure. this, Jack Swarbrick's done a
1: lot of those type of things. And, and I don't think the, the recruiting the, the, upgrades are something that Brian Kelly was necessarily looking for. Well, I mean, what, I mean, you know what I mean. got him? I mean, he Chad right. Bowden
2: got hired when Brian Kelly was still the head coach that's as true. Marcus Freeman's defensive guy. I mean, that's, that's something that's, that's a that, good point that they, that they started here. It, but why did that happen? Because Marcus Freeman demanded it as part of the negotiation. Brian right. Kelly never fought for that.
1: Exactly. Marcus Freeman did. Right. That's what I'm saying about the right. recruiting upgrades. It's right. like I don't think he was ever really in that no. arena no. to be pissed off about it now that it's happening. No, I don't he think never it...
2: fought for the things right. that Marcus is fighting for. Right, exactly. But he'll that doesn't mean he still won't feel a certain way. And and because Brian Kelly's the king of blaming other people's for his own failures. <laughs> you know, and 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 so, you know, where Marcus Freeman's just like, look, I didn't get the job done this year. I'm gonna make I'm gonna do better. I'm gonna go get better players and make sure we get what we need in the coaching staff and all those type of things. So, you know, a lot of that stuff is just Brian Kelly, just being Brian Kelly yeah, and just not doing what's needed, not demanding what's needed and then crying about it. Like the, and the other thing too, is if you're, if you're Jack Swarbrick and you look at Brian Kelly's track record of hiring assistant coaches down the stretch, it's not good. Right. I mean, look, I'll say it again. Brian Kelly's not the reason Mike Elko came to Notre Dame. Jack Swarbrick is Brian Kelly was looking to get out after 2016. He wanted out. His agent was pimping him to anybody that would take him and nobody would take him right during that period of time. Jack Swarbrick and his top people were the ones doing the pursuit of guys like Mike Elko and Chip Long. That that is a fact. That's not rumor. That's a fact. So then Mike Elko's the reason that Clark Lee came. Yeah. 100%. So outside of him going and getting Marcus Freeman, which was a great move by Brian Kelly, a lot of these moves that Brian Kelly made, his, his desire to hire certain guys was not strong, right? I mean, it was Jack Swarbrick is the one that got the ball rolling that got us to Mike Elko and Clark Lee. Because if if Clark Lee doesn't come with Mike Elko, who was pursued by Jack Swarbrick, then we don't get to Clark Lee being the replacement for Mike Elko. Sure, sure. So, uh You know, I don't think he had the track record to me to warrant going in there and demanding X amount of dollars to go out and hire this coach or that coach. And as I think you've pointed out before, too, Brian Van Gorder got a large salary to come to Notre Dame. And that was a bone of contention with certain members of the Notre Dame coaching staff because they're like, this dude just had had the worst defense in the history of Auburn football. Literally. And he's coming here and he's making over a million dollars? When, like these other coaches are doing better jobs and he's not, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't know that Brian Kelly warranted Pat, you know, Yeah, earning that. Right.
1: In my opinion. So that's a good call. James Patricia. Thank you so much. Let's see. Will Anjali get a chance to compete for the starting job with seven X uh, question marks? Uh, sure. I mean, look,
2: if Steve Angeli goes out there this spring and he's the better quarterback day after day after day, he'll be the starter. Absolutely. I mean, there, there's no guarantees to Riley Leonard. He'll be the starter. It's not going to happen though. Right.
1: Exactly. He's, he's not
2: that player. He's not that type of quarterback. He's not as good as Riley Leonard. Right. I mean, I I don't know how anyone could watch like Riley Leonard over a period of time, and then watch Steve Angeli in one bowl game against a depleted team who wasn't very good defending the pass anyway. And I know this is going to like cause some major butt hurt with some people in the fan base that just like now think Steve Angeli is like the next great quarterback at Notre Dame. I, know, I understand yeah. that. Yep. But y- y- he threw for 236 yards against a depleted secondary. That wasn't very good defending the pass to begin with. And Steve did a very good job. This is what bothers me about this whole debate. You're forcing me to say these things with your crying about how we're not giving him enough respect. Right. He threw for 236 yards against a bad secondary that was depleted. Right, that's a fact. Now, if Steve wants to beat out Riley Leonard, he's going to have to play a lot better than he did in the bowl game because they're not going to play teams that bad week after week after week. Right. Is it Cape? Is he? Is he? Is could it happen? Sure. And I wouldn't be upset if he does that. Like, if Steve Angeli is the guy that some people think he is and can go win Notre Dame National Championship, great. Right. Great. There's no evidence of it, though. You know, there just isn't. And with Riley Leonard, we've seen him play in these big moments. We've seen him go, you know, beat Clemson. We've seen him go and out-duel Sam Hartman and beat Sam Hartman. We've seen him play great football. We've seen him rush for over 100 yards in a game, something he's done multiple times. You know, he's got, what, five games over 90. He's got 13 rushing touchdowns in 2022. He had four last year in five games before he got hurt. Right? We've seen him throw for over 300 yards. We've seen him do all these things on a much more regular basis. And he's just got more talent. That's my opinion. But, so I'll say is, there's not a quarterback battle. There, in my opinion, there's not. There's no thought that Tyler Buck, like Tyler Buckner and Sam Hartman last year. It's a different situation. Right. Right. Riley Leonard's being brought in to be the quarterback. Having said that, if if Steve Angeli outplays him all spring and fall camp, then yes, Steve Angeli can and should beat him out and be the starting quarterback.
1: Hmm. But you guys got to remember here, th- here's the other thing. The, to a man, everybody over at Notre Dame that's involved with the football program wants to win. They're going to put on the field who they think gives them the best opportunity to win. If it is obvious that name your quarterback is better than Riley Leonard in practice, then that guy is going to start, whoever that is. But the odds of that happening aren't very good. I mean, right. Is that the best way to put it, Brian? I sure. mean, they, they, these coaches, they're not going to be like, you know what? This kid's better than this kid, but I'm going to play this because I want to lose. like that or, that, that, or
2: because we promised this kid yeah. that. I mean, that's yeah, just right. not how it's going
1: to work. Yeah, it's not that's just work. not it's it. It's not it. No. Tyler Evans with a super chat. Thank you, Tyler. Out of four playoff teams, which one will have the biggest drop off next year?
2: I think probably Washington.
1: Yeah, because they're going to lose Penix, which is massive. They're going to lose Penix. They're going to lose a
2: Dunze. I think they're going to lose Dylan. I mean, they're they're, going to lose Braylon Trice. And they're going to replace Penix with Michael, with uh, Will Rogers. Which is just, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, and I, and they're going to the Big Ten, and they're going to play a a pretty tough, if I remember correctly, their schedule's pretty challenging next season. Uh, let me pull it up. They play uh, Washington basically. State on a neutral field. They play at Iowa, at Penn State, at Oregon. They get Michigan at home, UCLA at home, USC at home. No Ohio State. I mean, their schedule's tough. It's not brutal, brutal, bad, but like there's probably three to four losses in there. I don't see Michigan, you know, Michigan's one that could maybe have a drop off next year, too, because their schedule so, is a lot tougher.
1: Next yeah, year. that was you, you walked me into the schedule because yeah. you're starting talking about the Big Ten schedule next year. Like I I am taking all hatred of Michigan aside and just looking at it from an analytical standpoint. Look, there's a chance that Michigan has a completely new coaching staff, number one. Sure. I mean that that's a possibility. Number two, they they could potentially lose their quarterback and they're playing a schedule that is light years harder next year than it was this year. Mm -hmm. And so that's a lot to kind of deal with. Um, So they could take a drop off just from a record standpoint because of all of that. Mm -hmm. So that was that's why Michigan might have been my choice. Um, just because of the schedule and the potential of a complete staff overhaul.
2: Yeah, but to me, if they, if that happens, then then I'll address that. But as sure. of right now, we don't know that that's going to be the case. I mean, for all we know, Kalen DeBoer could get snatched up by some NFL team this offseason. Uh, you know sure. what I mean? Like, anything can happen. Ryan Grubb could get a head coach or a job somewhere. You know, uh, I don't see it happening. But, you know, based off what we do know, I would say probably Washington takes the biggest drop off. Michigan would be my next, though, Vince, I'll be honest with you, because yeah. of the toughness of their schedule and the things that we do know, which is they are going to lose a lot from this year's team. And, you know, if if a more likely thing to debate is will a guy go pro or not as opposed to the whole team staff leaving, that's a little bit different debate. It's certainly possible. I mean, look, Jim Harbaugh hiring the, the, the agent he did is not a move he makes to renegotiate his contract at Michigan, right? Can we be honest about that? That's a move that's, that. yeah, okay. like this last week, he hired a new agent who deals with all NFL guys.
1: Hmm.
2: Right. I mean, so, so your point is valid, yeah. Vince. It's just like until it happens, it. I can't really discuss. No, it. I get that. Yeah. J.J. No, McCarthy I totally leaving that. is a little bit more like, okay, that's possible. You know, but to me, I think, I think those two things will be kind of tied together. I think yeah. if Jim Harbaugh comes back, I think J.J. McCarthy comes yes, back. Yes, I, that I do agree with Right, you. but if Jim Harbaugh leaves, and I, I could see McCarthy leaving. There's, there's
1: well. no bigger cheerleader on this planet than Jim Harbaugh for J.J. McCarthy. So oh, my I, goodness gracious. I mean, he would come back. Like, why, yeah. why Fellas who
2: are single, women who are single, find you someone that loves you like Jim Harbaugh loves J.J. McCarthy. Man, you're not kidding. And you will have a happy life. <laughs> there's no doubt. Not there's
1: kidding. no doubt. And why would you leave that if you were J.J.? I mean, uh-huh. I would was... <laughs> Uh, ben Tarnowski, Mailbag Part 1. I put this on the board yesterday, but it was a concern for Faison to play lacrosse in the spring in terms of his development. New, all, new OC, wide receiver coach, quarterback, chemistry is vital.
2: And then he has a second parter to that too, Vince. Um, uh,
1: not saying, uh, this is Part 2, not saying that they're the same, but it uh, didn't seem to affect Samarja Tate. Or commit to play baseball, but maybe it affected Hunter Jr. thoughts. I don't I don't think it affected Torrey Hunter Jr. much at all. I I don't know
2: that Torrey Hunter Jr. played much baseball at Notre Dame. He played some, but not very much. Yeah. Um,
1: and he played I, more in the pros than he did at Notre Dame. And Golden Tate didn't play a whole lot either because he was a position player. Samarja and Comet played more because they were pitchers and they could just come in and pitch. You know yeah. what I mean? So, like it yeah. is a different conversation yeah um, gonna, and,
2: he only played 23 games um
1: uh tory hunter jr by okay the way. yeah right. and most of his games were like pinch running and stuff like that
2: i just don't think t- number one baseball <laughs> and football are sports that you can go to football practice in the morning and baseball practice in the afternoon if 100%. you're a kid like jordan Faison, uh so that that's a little different i don't know yeah how lacrosse translates i don't I just don't know enough about the sport. Having watched what little bit I have, there's a lot of similarities. I mean, it's it's sure. endurance, it's quickness, it's toughness. And so I don't think it – like, basketball is a different animal. Like, basketball is a completely different type of mindset than football. And it's like, it you know, you've got to lose weight during basketball season. You need to – you know, you can't be as beefy. Sure. There's just It's just a little bit different. And I think that would make that transition a little bit more challenging. Uh, but I think the way that the football team does things with lacrosse, for example, Jordan comes in on days they don't have games. He'll practice with the football team in the morning, go to class, and then go to lacrosse practice that afternoon. Yeah. That's yeah. how it works.
1: And so, both both coaches work together, right. As far as like a uh, you know a physical plan, like how right. much you know how much are they because they've got right. those uh, the catapult right that they sure. Can, I'm sure will lacrosse cross yeah, those
2: two. Right. Hey, you know what I mean? To, you know, he, he's, he's yeah. slowing down a little bit. We need to make sure, you know, but there's only 15 football stuff? practices. Right. And he can be a part of uh, right. the other, the other part of it too, Vince, for me is the position you play matters. Like yes. to me, playing baseball could have a bigger negative impact for Drake Bowen than it would than Jordan Faison playing lacrosse. Cause Jordan, Jordan Faison playing lacrosse doesn't have to, I mean, he, he's a receiver. He's just running all day. You know what I mean? Like, and then you've got all summer to get in the weight room, and you can throw a million balls over the summer and things sure. like that. And that's really the only thing that hurts you. I don't I don't think a receiver gets really impacted. And let's not yeah. forget this. He did everything he did. That kid barely played any receiver in high school. He was a quarterback and stuff Was like he really? That. Yeah, didn't he didn't barely play receiver. He's just a natural athlete and a smart kid and catches the ball well, and those things aren't going to change. And even if he barely practiced in the spring, he's going to have plenty of time in the fall. And in summer workouts, I should say more summer workouts to catch a million balls from Riley Leonard. Yeah. And get on that same page.
1: Yep. And then all of fall camp too.
2: Right. But he will still practice in the spring. Yeah. So I don't think his development's going to be hurt as much as maybe we think, as long as he's still practicing it. You know, let's say they have 14 practices and then there's the blue gold game. If he only plays in half the practices, he'll still keep sharp enough at his. Now, again, Different positions would be middle linebacker that might be more impactful. Quarterback that's going to be more impactful. Yeah, other positions that's going to be more impactful. Slot receiver, I just don't think it's going to impact them a whole lot. So, this isn't true for everybody that's going to play multiple sports. I think, right? I think, like I said, I think Drake Bowen, if he's missing half a spring to play baseball, that will hurt him more than Jordan
1: Faison missing half a spring. Drake. lacrosse uh bowen is is a third baseman i believe i'm not sure exactly what he's going to do at notre dame but he's a he's a position player um and so that's different when you're an everyday player versus a pitcher for example like samarja right right and that's cole huge right. i mean when when samarja was here he played in the blue gold game and then ran across the parking lot and pitched in a in a game like so it, it is completely i think different. cole
2: commit did that where he would actually was that practice in the morning yeah and then pitched later that night <laughs>
1: Yeah, it, yeah. It's so much easier to do that as a pitcher than it is to do that as an everyday player uh, for the baseball team. So you're and absolutely
2: right. Position like, you know, like receiver. Yes. Where, and, you know.
1: and he, there was an interview I saw yesterday. He did with somebody where he was talking. I think it was the the, 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 the podcast that Notre Dame does the wake up the echoes. I think is what they call it. Anyway, they interviewed him and he was talking about the similarities between playing midfield in lacrosse and playing wide receiver and, and how, there's a lot of similarities the way he runs his routes as the way he runs in lacrosse and things of that nature. So there, again, a lot of similarities with what he's doing. I would say it's more of a mental side of things, you know, learning a potential new offense um, or the, the nuances of a, of a new offensive coordinator, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And, and that's a mental side of things. I mean, you can jump into your iPad and, and learn the learn it and do some different things. And like you said, he'll be able to come to practice. He may not be a hundred percent full go situation if he's got, you know, lacrosse practice and things of that nature too. But at the end of the day, Brian, let's not forget, he is now a full scholarship player for football. Football is now his number one priority. Right. You know, I mean, that does matter here. Right. That does matter. And I don't I honestly don't know. Again, this this is gonna be my ignorance of the lacrosse game, right? Is it like hockey where you have like waves of guys coming on and off the field? Are you on the field the whole time? You know, they have a massive roster for lacrosse and I don't, there's not that many guys on the field that tells me there's probably some, you know, some rotation and things of that nature uh, in the game. And again, I'm not hundred percent sure. So I don't even know how much they're going to be leaning on him. Remember this is the number one team in the country, is he going to, is he coming in and going to be like an integral part of the rotation? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. So there's a lot of unanswered questions uh, in my opinion, but I guarantee you the coaching staff of both programs are going to be working together to mm-hmm. make sure they're going to get the best out of him in both regards.
2: Yeah, no doubt. All right. Let's go to the next one here. Uh, Got a couple more left before we get out of here, Vince.
1: All right. Jason Rose, Notre Dame has a very good recruiting staff among assistant coaches. Which one of those guys would you feel most comfortable sending into a room and beating other top assistants? Well,
2: Mark's Mike figure. Dembrock. Yeah. I mean, he but said it's assist- assist- it's assistant, as assistant. You're right. You're right. Uh, well, number one, Chad Bowden. But yes. uh, uh, Mike Dembrock, um, Dylan McCullough, Mickens. Mike Mickens. Those are it for me for right now that I feel real comfortable
1: beating top assistants. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That would be my list as well. Um, I'm trying to think of the other guys in my head. I mean, I, I don't um, know enough
2: about Mike Brown to say that. Oh, Joe Rudolph. Right. I mean, you can't, you can't ignore Joe Rudolph's track record so far. I mean, just his first year and he's done a really yeah. heck of a job. Um, That's true. But I don't know enough about Mike Brown. You know, Gugino Gaduli did a nice job with, with Deuce Knight, but I just need to see a little bit more from him. Chris O'Leary. No, Al Golden, no. And Al Washington, to beat other top – I mean, Al Washington's landed some really good players, but they haven't exactly beaten like Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia for those guys. You know, so I sure. still need to see that a little bit. And this Chris Burgess recruitment this weekend will, will, will be a, a chance. Now, again, it's Notre Dame, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State. It is not set in stone at all that he's going to pick Notre Dame. We'll, we'll see. I mean, talking to Ryan today, it sounds like I don't. we don't know that a decision has officially been made yet from Chris Burgess. So if Al Washington win that one, that's great. That'll be a step in the right direction towards beating the big boys for a top kid. If you don't win that one, then it's just further evidence that even though he's improved, it's not there yet. Yeah. You're going to lose another kid in your backyard that right. you wanted. Uh, but if you can win that one, then all of a sudden I care less about the Justin Scott loss last year. It's what sure. I mean. You know what it boils down to. So uh, he's not quite there yet. Hopefully, he will be by the yeah. end of the cycle. Yeah. you know and hopefully you know landon chris burgess and damian shanklin will be the way that
1: can get you there for me in my view like that brett a lot do you feel jj mccarthy is to michigan as Gino Toretta was to miami average quarterback on a good team i only ask because clickbait articles suggest that notre dame dropped the ball on his recruitment they didn't drop the ball they went a different direction they liked
2: tyler buckner better right
1: um Simple as that. They didn't drop the ball.
2: J.J. McCarthy is a good – He's he is a better quarterback than Geno Toretta to me because they ask him to make more plays with his legs and stuff. But, no, he's not nearly the quarterback they make him out to be. And you know, he did some nice things against Michigan. I mean, against Alabama. But, again, it's not like he went out there and just, you know, like just lit the world on fire and just threw the turn it, 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 it was, was the end like, of the
1: game that right, that really- and he's
2: he's not being asked to do for Michigan what Michael Penix and Bo Nix have to do it for their teams. Sure, you know, especially Michael Penix. So no, he but but he's also like, a, like I said, a better. Like I always felt like Miami kind of won in spite of Gino Toretta back in the day. Um, I never understood that Heisman deal, but you're talking about a kid that's played 14 games and he's thrown for 2,800 yards. You know, 22 touchdowns, four picks. He's ran for 171 yards and three touchdowns, like 25 touchdowns in 14 games. Just doesn't blow me away. But he's a kid that's completing 73% of his passes and only has four interceptions and, you know, has has made some throws and some big games that he's needed to make. Yeah. You know, but, I mean, this is a kid in the three games – in the last four games of the season, he passed for 60 yards against Penn State, 141 against Maryland, 148 against Ohio State – and, a hun- and, and 147 against against Iowa, averaged 7.5 yards or less per attempt in those games, and in that same stretch had one touchdown and one interception. Like, he's not what they make him out to be. Right. He's just not. But he's also not – I mean, part of that's just they don't ask him to do a whole lot. I think J.J. could do more if they gave him an opportunity to do more. Right. I and, agree with that. You know, that that's, that's the difference for me is that right there. So – I just, yeah. Just because Jim Harbaugh says that, I've said this before, Charlie Weiss said that Brady, you know, Brady Quinn was better than Tom Brady. So just because the coach says that doesn't mean it's actually true. So,
1: Beezer 12, Washing Beard. Is there fire to the BK to Michigan smoke? Well, there has to be an opening
2: first. Yeah, there is smoke to it because it's what Trace Armstrong always does to try to negotiate more money for his client. I mean, yeah. like I was watching the LSU game and I couldn't believe that 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 they said this. I can't remember who it was. I think it was. I think it might have been uh, Rodney Gilmore. But he's like Brian Kelly being linked to other schools. That's just what Brian Kelly does. That's just always a Brian Kelly thing. He flat <laughs> out said really? that. Oh yeah, yeah I, the LSU game, that. Wisconsin game. Because there's rumors about the Michigan stuff, and it's like yeah. that's what Trace Armstrong does. Yeah, You know, Brian Kelly's not happy at LSU, and LSU's not happy with Brian Kelly. Now, depending on who you talk to, this whole cleaning house on the defensive staff was not Brian Kelly's idea.
1: Uh, Sound familiar?
2: Yeah. And so, you know, we'll see if, you know, Brian Kelly is going to look for an out. Do I think if Michigan offered Brian Kelly the job that he would take it? Absolutely, I do. I do. Would Michigan offer him that job? I don't know. I have no idea. I'm skeptical, just my own gut is skeptical because of the money they'd have to pay as a buy. I, I'd have to go look at his contract, Vince. I don't know what the buyout of Brian Kelly sure. is, but he's got a big contract. Yes. I would assume it's a, got a pretty decent buyout. I would think there. so. I would think now, so. Now, if LSU wants him gone, then maybe they negotiate with Michigan to lower his buyout. Right. But I would assume, are you looking it up right yeah, now? Yeah. I'm curious yeah. what that is. Because I don't know what like it's not like a Jimbo Fisher type deal, but you'd have to find out. I mean, LSU would basically probably have to say, hey, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll work with you on the buyout because I've been told by some people that they're not the money people down there aren't super thrilled with the job Brian Kelly's doing so far. Right. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm looking for it. I don't see it do, in this do particular I, article. Yeah. Do I think that. Um, oh, right.
1: Three million dollars. That's it. Uh, it's three million before. Well, it would have been three million before December thirty first. It's two million any point after that. That's it. It's only wow, two million dollars. That's what it says. Woo. Yeah.
2: Okay. Then Michigan. Then the buyout won't impact it. No. I still just have a heart. Like, if Jim Harbaugh leaves, why wouldn't they just promote Sharon more? Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. that's yeah. kind of what I'm thinking. To keep will, the continuity yeah, together and right. all that. Yeah. But Brian Kelly, like. I don't think Brian Kelly's as well
1: liked in Michigan as he thinks he is. (laughs) Right. You know. But but you know what? If we're if we're if we take the the, you know everything out of it, right, and you're looking at just the profile, Brian Kelly to Michigan makes a heck of a lot more sense than Brian Kelly to LSU. You said (laughs) helk. I know because I I was trying to I know I appreciate you not, but yes. Brian Kelly to Michigan makes a heck of a lot more sense because Brian Kelly's always been a Midwest coach. He started in Michigan. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, he was in Michigan twice as a head coach. Like, it makes more sense for him to be at Michigan than it does for him to be at LSU. Obviously, he went to LSU because they offered him a gold mine. I mean, of course, that makes sense. The SEC and all that. Um, You know the fan base that would rejoice the most if
2: Brian Kelly took the Michigan job? This one? No. This would be number two. Okay, this fan base would rejoice much more than Michigan fan base. The fan base that would rejo- rejoice rejoice the most if Brian Kelly got hired at Michigan would be Ohio State.
1: Oh, because they know they yes, <laughs> no doubt about that. Yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I so I I just don't see that one happening, man. I just
2: um, it's hard for me to see it as well. To be honest with you, yeah, but, yeah. I just don't see it making sense for Michigan. Like I don't know why they right. would want to hire him. Right. You know agreed. what I mean? Like yes, agreed. But I also didn't understand why LSU wanted him,
1: to be honest with you. So I mean his his national profile for whatever reason is way different than his profile amongst yeah. fan bases that he has been a part of.
2: Yeah. And I've had people say, you know, why would he want to walk into this NCAA stuff? I actually think that's perfect for Brian Kelly. It's an excuse. It's built an yes.
1: excuse. Yes.
2: That's how he you know? rolls, man. Come on. That would be the most legitimate excuse excuse he'd ever have yes. as a coach. Yes. 100%. Well, well, you know, we could only do so much. We only have X. I mean, X number Scott. I mean, people yeah. are still making excuses for James Franklin not winning now because of the sanctions that happened oh, a decade ago. Yeah. You know, so,
1: yeah, oh, yeah. he would and he, uh, and he would ride that yeah. so long. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about that no doubt about that oh my yeah gosh. i that remember? would be hilarious i just,
2: I just don't uh, see it i just don't see michigan going yeah. that direction i i there's a lot I of think things this about is more michigan. trace armstrong yeah creating this narrative sure. than it is about michigan people wanting well the life. first time i came completely up completely
1: wrong on that that's the just first my time it, first time it came up was like a radio guy right that that or a podcast yeah. guy that like brought it up i i don't know yeah. it just seems and it's gotten legs from there
2: yeah was um, it a, was it an lsu guy it was an lsu guy I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think Matt Moscana and one other guy said it. So LSU people. So, again, I don't know if this is Trace Armstrong doing Trace Armstrong things or if Brian Kelly genuinely wants out or if Michigan. But everything's been from the LSU side. I haven't heard anything come from the Michigan side about how they would be interested in Brian Kelly. Right. Well, they're busy trying to win a national
1: championship, so.
2: Yeah. I know, right? Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Brian Kelly don't doesn't know a whole lot about at this level now. So now, yeah. Yep. Anyway. Well, Vince, that's uh.
1: Oh, all right. That's going to do it, man. All right. Well, thanks everybody for joining us on this edition of the Irish breakdown podcast. Make sure you hit the like button, the subscribe button, that notification bell, share with your family and friends, send us a five-star review, all those fun things. And then of course, make sure you stay locked in to Irish breakdown boards at irishbreakdown.com If you're not a member yet, what are you waiting for? Uh, jump on board it's the best deal out there for message boards and it is not dare i say it is not the cesspool of message boards that are out there uh i will say Facts. It because, because i can Facts. Uh, you you're just going to get good quality back and forth and you're going to get good quality intel is what you're going to get at boards at Irishbreakdown.com. so come on over come on in join the party join the family and uh we'd love to have you So uh, make sure you stay locked in. Again, uh, Jesse and I will be back uh, in a couple of hours for IB Nation Sports Talk. And uh, we're going to bring all the heat to you then as well. So until then, that's Brian. I'm Vince. And we will talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.